0: You are listening to the Teaching Matters podcast, a podcast created by the University of Edinburgh to debate and celebrate learning and teaching in higher education. This podcast complements the University's Teaching Matters blog and invites students and staff to engage in topical conversations. The first three episodes accompany the Teaching Matters mini-series on social responsibility and sustainability. In the first episode, University of Edinburgh students start to debate how sustainability and environmental concerns are being tackled in today's university. Our guests discuss emotionally charged issues around climate change, asking if students are facing climate optimism or climate fatalism in the classroom. Master student Polly Wales is our guest host, who welcomes fellow students Ryan Gilmore, Ellie Ashton and Emily Bankert to the conversation. Happy listening!
1: Um, Welcome, Uh, I'm Polly. I'm an Environmental Sustainability Master's student at the University of Edinburgh. So today I'm talking to three other students from the university uh, to hear their thoughts on climate optimism or fatalism uh, surrounding the issues of climate change and how that can be tackled through teaching.
2: Um, So if you'd like to go around the table introducing yourselves. Hi, I'm Ellie. I'm a first-year religious studies student here at the university. And I clearly don't have a degree that is directly related to sustainability, but it's something that I've always been really interested in. And uh, I think that when you study a humanities degree, invariably you end up studying the issues that people care about as well. And I believe that the humanities subjects are closely linked with social justice um, and the things that people are really worried about or excited about. So it's always been a real interest of mine to study environmentalism and sustainability alongside my course Um, and I engage with this issue partly through the use of social media as well which I think uh, is a really important thing for a lot of young people today is how many of us communicate. Uh, I'm 20 and um, I think that the majority of our, uh, the way that we engage with people and issues tends to happen online. And I'm looking uh, at ways that we can make that a really positive experience and take away the connotations of armchair activism and make it something that is really powerful. Cool. I'm Emily, I'm an exchange
3: student studying in the Netherlands. Um, I'm doing a program called Technology and Liberal Arts and Science and it's a program in which we learn about social science, engineering and mathematics and then everyone kind of finds their own profile over the years so that gave me the opportunity to to start very broad and slowly realize that all the time I'm, like that I'm coming back to climate change issues. And then I find this a very fascinating and interesting issue that I want to learn more about. So when I had the opportunity to go on exchange, I chose to study environmental resource management here in Edinburgh. Um, and now I'm fully in the environmental studies. But Edinburgh is kind of a very vibrant city. So there's also opportunities outside of uni to get involved. So I got involved with Extinction Rebellions, which is um, a new climate justice movement that has risen up in October and November and spread to 35 countries within a month. And we are building up a local section in Edinburgh, um, organizing different actions to, yeah, to kind of raise uh, like awareness for climate change issues. And then I'm also involved in SHRUB, the local Zero Waste Hub. And we just launched the first rescued food supermarket last Saturday. <laughs>
4: Hello, Uh, I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm a fifth year electrical engineering student with renewable energy on the side there as well. Uh, And I'm really interested in how we learn about technical subjects, but also the kind of economic and social considerations behind them. And I think renewable energy is a really big example of that, where the technology exists to go say fully green and electricity, but the kind of social backing is not always there. Um and aside from when I'm studying, I'm also involved with engineering for change. So they are a student society at Edinburgh University and the kind of tagline is to promote sustainability and humanitarian development. But what that really means is that we have some local and some international projects to give students real hands-on experience of doing engineering for the benefit of society. Um, so we got some international projects to Cambodia and Romania. Um, in Cambodia we're running an aquaponics farm there, and locally we are um, actually started some projects to do some plastic recycling, making plastic recycling machines through precious plastics. Um, and the most recent one is building a wind turbine from scratch. So that's a super exciting project from from my side of things. Um, and it's interesting to think about the way people are learning and engaging with engineering, but also with sustainability and climate change.
1: When asked why I study what I study, I say it's because I want a career where sustainability and climate change mitigation practices are at the core of what... Uh, the job is doing, rather than just a tick box exercise. Um, I'm hopeful that by equipping myself with the relevant knowledge and skills, I can have some sort of positive impact in the world, or at least try and not have a negative impact, and my actions won't be contributing to climate breakdown. But perhaps this is too optimistic of me. Okay, cool. So, um, if we'd like to just say why you guys have become interested in climate change. If you'd like to start with Ellie, especially coming from (laughs) the religious background, that's a really interesting Stand on things.
2: Yeah, a bit of a strange segue into <laughs> <laughs> sustainable development. But um, I think that uh, religion is a great lens through which we can study 7 billion people, which is obviously not an easy thing to do. Um, but everybody has an opinion on religion and it impacts people's lives in myriad ways. Um, and at the moment, uh, changes to climate are having a really scary impact on people. Um, and so I suppose that it was through my um, work with the religious studies department. Um, They recently allowed me to go to the Parliament of the World Religions in Toronto, uh, which is a big plenary uh, in which lots of people from all around the world come together and uh, discuss religious studies, but specifically um, the way in which uh, religious people are surviving around the world, surviving slash thriving, because obviously it varies uh, in all the different countries. Uh, People are living very different lives, and I think we can often get stuck in a sort of Western bubble. Um, I know that I come from a small Welsh conservative town and I didn't even experience multiculturalism until I came to university and so I try to travel as much as I can and in doing so I have uh, come to realize that people live very different lives to the way that I live mine and yet we're all living on the same planet and so uh, the issues that that are affecting the planet at the moment are going to affect 7 billion people but it's also been something that I've grown up with I come from a family that despite the conservative town is very lefty and uh, engaged with politics and social justice and uh, so I was raised understanding these issues um, and being really interested in them so I'm using university as my sort of jumping off point to meet other people who are also engaged with this but I'm Also trying to use social media as a way that I can uh, raise these issues with other young people my age. Um, I think that it can be a tool that we can use to discuss things that are really important. And I'm excited about the possibilities that things um, like Netflix or iPlayer, for example, So young people are, for instance, Stacey Dooley is a huge hero for young people my age. She's like a cult icon, but she's talking about really important issues, many of which are sustainability related. And her recent program about fast fashion, I think, touched many young people, particularly women, very personally, because the way that we dress is something I think a lot about and that other young women think a lot about in particular, Um, but we really need to address our habits. So I'm trying to talk a lot about that at the moment and uh, using social media as my platform
1: so would that be right in saying that your inspiration for getting involved in sustainability climate justice has not come from teaching so much it's more been social media and your peers and things like that and less so the lecturers and their content?
2: Yeah, I'd say so. um, Because I think that uh, education these days isn't just happening in classrooms. It's happening on our mobile phones. It's happening in our interactions with other young people. And people don't give that enough credence, I don't think, because learning should be happening in all areas of life. It doesn't just have to be in the classroom. But the classrooms should be facilitating that conversation and not shutting it down. Um, I think a lot of people think students are really apathetic, and we're not. um, But it's all about fostering those conversations making sure they're happening in a way that is accessible for everybody and uh, we're not shutting anybody out of those conversations it shouldn't just be happening in white spaces or middle class spaces it should be happening uh, across the country and across the world but um, and that's where education policies come into play and uh, where teachers and lecturers have a really important role to play in that.
1: Okay
2: so and then in contrast Emily if you'd
1: like to talk about uh, how climate change kind of arose as the common denominator in what you have been studying at university, how that has inspired you to get involved with environmental movements here.
3: Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I guess I'm the classical case of too many interests and being good at everything, but not really at anything. So <clears throat> over the years, when I when I studied different societal problems like biogas systems or, you know, even just refugees, but also bioplastics, I, I kind of... Realize that climate change is often um, an underlying problem. If anything sustainability related you study, you will come across climate change in some way. So I started to look more into that because my program is very free. Basically, it's it's set up in a way that we don't get grades. We it's always about what we want to learn. It's not a lecturer coming and like sitting in front of us and teaching. It's it's basically you come in and the lecturer is like, okay, this is the topic. And every one of you has a different interest in this topic. So why not you get in groups and then you teach your peers next week? Everyone has like a presentation for more this kind of style of learning. And this way I was I was really able to pursue the interests that I have and, and kind of go more in depth with with like, what is it about climate change? that is so so big and so scary. Um, and then over over the years, I, I realized it's not actually climate change. is not the problem. It's just this, a symptom of a, a wider system that that is basically kind of running in the wrong direction. So since I'm here I, and I'm starting, like like you said, like get engaged in, in, in like in XR and shrub, I realize it's, it's much more about what happens outside of the classroom as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of getting getting like this idea of mental well-being, um, like how you engage with yourself, that you treat yourself well, that you eat well, how that you have the courage to go in depth in conversations, have meaningful moments with people you might not know this is all kind of connected in some way to to that we have to change our mindset again a bit and come back to to you know valuing ourselves, valuing our the people around us but also the environment because yeah we we don't really always do that. we kind of lose connection to to nature to people around us and and I think if we would come back to that, we would be much more empathetic to deal with climate change issues on a way more human way because right now we are dealing with it in a kind of apathetic way yeah so yeah okay and then Ryan yeah
4: I think that's a kind of interesting point that you're making about how seemingly different the approach to teaching and learning is from your background because here I think it's something to do with specialism about like narrowing down very much on this exact topic and there have there's definitely been courses that i've went through that have allowed for that more freedom and i think that's the courses that i really benefit from is the ones where you are set some kind of vague problem and you need to go solve it so one example was the this design of a hydropower project that we had um, which I think doesn't necessarily have to integrate um, like climate change and thinking about those wider issues but uh, well in fact I think it has some kind of fundamental backing that you're trying to get green energy and when you build the hydropower plant you want it to be sustainable and looking after the environment um, but this kind of being allowed to have that space almost to to talk with other engineers to be like, no, this should be the best solution, or just being forced to put everyone to kind of pull in different directions and to come to some kind of agreement in a university setting is like very important for our education, I think, or important for mine anyway. Okay. Um,
1: so um, what would you say has been your experience of learning about climate change in this context? Do you think that your lecturers have been giving you uh, some hope and in inspiring you to come up with these with these solutions in the hope that one day we're going to fix the world? Or do you think that they've just been telling you, oh, you better get cracking? Yeah,
4: this is, <laughs> I guess this is the, the question. Is it optimism or fatalism? And hey, I have been speaking to some others to find out about what they think of whether it is optimism or fatalism. And what people have been saying to me is that if you look at it black and white, then it almost has to tend towards fatalism because we are in quite a bad state of affairs, I guess. Um, So I don't know. I think probably my lecturers tell it as it is. And then they're like, oh, the picture's pretty bleak, I guess. Here are potentially some solutions so maybe it goes from that kind of negative like oh look the world's going in the wrong direction perhaps Um, but here are some kind of practical measures on how to go about that and I think the student society does a kind of similar thing to that Um, maybe in an even more practical sense that we are like this is the problem, here are the solutions, let us try and see if we can actually build some of the solutions ourselves Um, so I think yeah there's it kind of leads from fatalism to optimism but I don't know if you guys think that sometimes we're just stuck in the fatalism
2: yeah I think that um Lecturers have a lot of empathy, I think, because um, the generation that's coming through at the moment that is in the in the lect theatres has a very bleak picture in front of them of what their future can be like in comparison to our lecturers because, um, you know, I'm not saying everything was great in the 70s and 80s, but I think the prospects of the planet were quite a lot better. Um, and I've seen a, a term used quite a lot, um, which is environmental anxiety, which I think uh, paints a really accurate picture of how a lot of young people are feeling at the moment. So it's not necessarily like fatalism, like oh yeah there's nothing we can do because I think a lot of young people and the lecturers are trying to en- enable this but a lot of young people really want to do something and we're trying our best in, in many ways like even if it's a uh, using a canvas tote bag instead of buying plastic bags or you know using a keep cup and buying that through the uh, the student association and you know all things that are being enabled by the university but when we when we look at the picture in front of us we're still not the people making decisions we're still you know we're not the generation yet that is in the house of commons or making decisions at the top level so we're trying to ready ourselves for this fight that we're inevitably gonna, going to have to fight but um we do feel anxious about it because um, Um, Like you were saying, it's our our well-being as well. The the future that we're looking forward to is is quite quite scary because um, it's such a big problem. It's happening so fast right now, but currently I don't feel that we're in a position of power to be able to make a huge amount of difference. Um, But young people are talking about this and I do feel like lecturers are trying to give us the tools uh, to be able to to do something. And I do think that they empathize with the fact that what it was like for them to be a student is very different from what it's like for us to be students. And so Emily, what do you think about protesting, especially coming from Extinction Rebellion?
3: Um, I can talk about it in a second. I just want to respond to, to what you said because I would disagree. Um, because at the university I'm studying in the Netherlands I feel like there's there's no people are not political at all and it's not encouraged to be political at all either. So I'm having this extreme contrast of coming here, studying climate, like doing a climate science course with people who are interested, with lecturers who are who are talking about it all the time. And, and there's where I actually get the, the real pessimism of being like, oh God, what can we do? It's so overwhelming. And from that, I take the motivation to actually get involved in something like XR. But then at home, um, I'm kind of the only one in my program really, or like we are very few who actually really are interested in solving the issue and actually like changing our not only our attitudes but also our behaviors and people are not at all either encouraged or interested in you know like i i'm still sometimes um we call it, like a tree hugger because i'm i'm like engaging with environmental issues and I'm, and I'm always getting like really puzzled because i'm like guys i mean come on wake up we are in 21st century but is so I, I would disagree that in it's not everywhere that you get this like courage or like mm, by teachers But I definitely see it in Edinburgh. I I do see it here. And I think that's kind of also a matter like really maybe the teaching style is different. Because, of course, in in Germany, for example, like big universities, you have you have more this frontal lectures you study for three months. uh, You just have lectures and then after you wrap it up and, you know, you have your exams. But there's no real engagement with the actual topics you study. So I think something like XR uh, so, Extinction Rebellion has actually given a lot of people the chance to to let go of this frustration they feel or this helplessness, and and actually do something. So,
1: Emily, what do you think Edinburgh are doing that perhaps other institutions uh, are not doing as well in taking the environmental
3: anxiety and turning mm. that into optimism? Um, I think for that to happen, a fundamental thing that has to happen before is to actually make um the the problem of climate change of environmental issues a part of any study. Um so Ali you were saying something about that earlier. Um that it doesn't matter if you study like electrical engineering, if you study social science and or psychology, whatever. It should be like a part of every study, and people should need to engage with it in every study. And I, one of my former housemates, was like studying um, chemical engineering, and he had to write this social science paper about, uh, you know, emission trading system, and he really hated it. But I was like, yeah, it's good that you have to do it because in other, in other studies, this this multidisciplinarity of environmental problems is not recognized at all. So it's really a matter of can we make this concern, this this kind of crisis thing we are in that news don't cover, can we make that central in every study? Can someone who finishes with a business degree actually be concerned about environmental issues? Because ultimately these people end up in management positions, these people end up in in decision-making positions, and we need to do something in education. So when they have to make these decisions, without being a climate scientist, they can make a decision... For the good of the planet and for the people and yeah i sometimes feel people come out and are not engaged enough just because they haven't learned enough about it they haven't learned they have maybe learned content and knowledge but they haven't learned the, the skills or the attitudes to turn it into behavior
1: okay so ellie what do you think about how university lecturers and the teaching content uh complements or marries into uh, your social media activism, your armchair activism, (laughs) how do you think those complement, or do you think that those are antagonistic?
2: Mm. Well, I think that's a really good question, Polly, but um, the thing is, I think a lot of the people that are teaching uh, as lecturers they haven't grown up using social media the way that my generation is Um, and they might understand it in theory but I don't think it's they always necessarily understand the power that it has Um, but I'm doing a sociology module this semester and the PhD student who is leading the tutorial is actually studying the sociology of technology and how uh, technology can be used in creating cultures and I think that we're going to see this uh, as we as we move forward that um, more and more young people are talking about the things they're passionate about online. And slowly, uh, hopefully, the education system will understand the value that that has. I mean, of course, there are downsides. but And I'm not saying education should solely be taking place on a smartphone. Um, but I think the more lecturers understand the power that it has, we should be able to see some really exciting changes happening. I mean, uh, in one of my lectures, um, we were partaking in a sociology poll uh, to see what people thought about different social issues issues. Uh, And that happened through an app. And that's a really good way that lecturers are using technology to engage students in the content that they're learning. Um, But I think Emily made a really good point about it needing to be cross-curricular. So everybody should be studying this. If you're a STEM student or a humanities student, it affects all of us because we're all on the same planet. And also, as we grow up and we become hopefully even more engaged in politics and uh, we've got actual careers and we're making decisions uh, for our family and for our communities and for the planet. We should all have an understanding of this and the responsibility there, I think, does lie with the lecturers and with the content that we're learning um, because there is really no better time than being at university to engage with this issue, I think. Okay, so. hey, Ryan? To,
4: to counteract that point, there uh, there's obviously a constraint on our time when we're here studying and we can't be experts on everything. So is there some kind of positive view of really specializing and having the best, for example, in my case, electrical engineer that you can get with some kind of some overview of sustainability, but I can't know I can't be an expert in that. And sometimes for me actually that's something kind of uncomfortable because you want to make change and move forward and even with the student society you want to be like oh we will build a wind turbine but is it always the the best use of your time that you can be doing and I think that sometimes even for me when I would say I was quite active about these issues can make me feel like I'm a rabbit caught in the headlights or whatever you there's so many different options you could do to spend your time so is it definitely the right one taking action in one form or another and I think um, I have very different views from Ellie and Emily on the the approach we take. I think you guys are much more on the... Um, talking about your... Mm, trying to inspire others, um, whereas from my engineering side of things, I feel like the solution almost needs to be practical.
3: So, Emily, what do you think about Ryan's points there? Um, I think I've... If- Two two responses. Um, I totally agree that we need experts. There's definitely people who who like we need the engineers, we need the technological innovation, um, and we need the people who really di- dive deep into psychology into like other humanities. So I do agree with you there. At the same time, I feel like at the moment we have too few people who like bridge these two sciences. So we have we have like the social scientists and like maybe the computer scientists. And they don't talk enough to each other. And we have like the government and we have the people and they don't talk enough to each other. So like we have really a communication problem at the moment. So I think that something like a liberal arts and science college um, for maybe a small amount of people in a way or like people who who feel like that could be a role for them is important and is not yet popular enough. Um, At the same time, I think that it's also if you if you are like a full computer science or full electrical engineer, university can still do something to help you make decisions that are good for climate change, that are not knowledge based. So I'm a big fan of like also teaching skills, because basically what I did at home is like a method study. So it is like you, you learn content, but usually you forget content again. You know, you find your direction. But what is actually what stays are skills like teamwork, communicating what you're doing, um, kind of philosophy of science so like ethical questions being able to, to talk being able to write a good academic paper and the most important one is being curious and asking questions and being critical because I feel like so many students come to university and then you know they sleep in lectures, they like oh I have to do this assignment so I'm going to do it rather than being like oh why are, why am I doing this like what, what does this benefit me where do I want to get to and university could facilitate this kind of finding your mission in a way, more. So you, you are more motivated to study and you don't study for the grades. And if you have to do a presentation in class, which is not graded, you're not like, oh, it's not great. I'm not going to work for it. But more like, oh, there's an opportunity for me to learn. And maybe this sounds really nerdy in a way when I'm saying this like that. But I, I, I mean, we are paying to go to university, it's a huge privilege to be able to study. Yeah, we could do like a lot more with it if we would be given the opportunity to develop not only content, but like on knowledge, but also skills and attitudes and values.
1: Yeah, so um, that's quite pertinent to me uh, doing my masters in sustainability. I have chosen this quite, I guess, it's quite niche, but in a, in the field of sustainability, it's really very broad degree. Yeah. Um, because I did my undergrad in natural science, I was I very much have been directing myself down the route of sciences. Since the age of fourteen, when you're choosing your GCSEs, I was like, I love science. That's what that's gonna be me. Um, and up until I guess like two years ago, I thought I was gonna be doing a PhD in uh, in biotechnology, and I was like, that's gonna be great. I'm gonna be doing that for the rest of my life. And then I get some first hand experience of doing that kind of research, and oh my gosh, I hated it. And I finally realised that the one thing that throughout my undergrad that I was really interested in was making a change in the world, a positive change that comes from sustainability and how people engage with that. Um, So yeah, so that's why I'm now doing my master's, but if I had the opportunity to be more general with my undergrad, I may not need to be doing this master's now. Not that I regret it, Edinburgh's great.
2: But yeah, so I think that's those are really, really interesting points. Ellie uh, I think that um, <clears throat> both Ryan and Polly have made really interesting points about um, how sometimes the curriculum can be too broad and sometimes it could be too narrow and that um, you need the right amount of exposure to a subject in order to be able to um, to make it useful um, but I think that's one thing that um, coming from Wales I'd never heard of having a four-year degree and, and choosing modules as you go along and I don't know if that's the same for the sciences but um, as a humanities student I have two electives and so I've been able to really tailor what I'm studying. So I don't feel like I'm sacrificing a huge amount of time taking a semester to study something that I'm really interested in. Um, and one of the modules I really want to take up is the, the sustainable development module, um, because I think it's going to complement my course really well, um, but also it's something that's really important. Um, and I think that uh, the university really facilitates that kind of learning, saying you, know, you don't want to go out and be extremely qualified in one thing, but then know nothing about anything else and not really be able to apply that. So Ryan, I think you make a really good point about the importance of becoming an expert in something. And I mean, goodness knows, at the moment, we so need experts, we need scientists who are the best at their job. And you know, they're really informed uh, about their subject. But I think unless they can apply that and make it relevant to people, then I don't think it's going to be useful, um, or as useful as it could be. And uh, as young people, it's our duty to be able to bring about really positive powerful change uh, and I think that comes from knowing a little bit about some other things outside of our course as well and I think Scottish degrees do that really really well yeah.
0: we're finishing the first episode here but Polly Ryan Ellie and Emily continue their conversation in episode 2 where they discuss further issues on inspiring climate optimism in the classroom as well as the use of social media embedding the teaching of sustainability in each school teachers and students' roles in tackling climate change, teaching empathy and interdisciplinary learning.